0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Short Rest. I'm Fletch, your Dungeon Master, and joining me for this episode is my best friend, Brad Berthume, otherwise known as Doran the Gnome Druid. Thanks for being here, Brad. Hello, everybody, and thanks for having me, my friend. So I wanted to have you on to talk to you about your character because I've gotten some questions about exactly what a druid is in Dungeons & Dragons. I think a lot of people are basing their knowledge of this class off of World of Warcraft. Um, so how does a DD and d druid compare to a W.O.W. druid?
1: Well, they do have a lot of similarities. Their source of magic is nature-based. They shift depending on what build you do. I would say that... Dungeons and Dragons druid is a little bit more varied than even the WoW one, because there's only three things you can do in WoW, you know, tank, damage, and heal. Whereas there's a lot of utility that you can bring to various situations in, in Dungeons and Dragons. And druids have mostly a lot of utility. They have a wide variety of spells they can choose from, and they can turn into any animal form that they have seen and interacted with for an hour, or depending on what rules you have.
0: Right, that all depends on how big a jerk your dungeon master is.
1: Yes, that's true. Some DMs are totally fine with everything. Other ones are like, no, you need to really know it. It's just up to your DM. But once they know a form, they can use it anytime. time. Uh, twice in between short rests until later levels. And yeah, they have all kinds of cool forms. I Doran uses uh, the dog form a lot because its senses are really good. He uses uh, the giant spider for combat because it has lots of extra hit points. That's the other important thing to note. Uh, when a druid gets damaged when it's in its wild form, uh, that damage basically is free because when you get down to zero, you just turn back to your normal form and you have full health. Or if you turn back, all that damage is gone and you're just back to normal health, whatever you had before.
0: So another interesting uh, thing about Doran is that he's a gnome druid and that's normally... Uh, not a race you see associated with druids very often. Usually they're elves or uh, maybe some sort of like plains barbarian style human. Uh, What made you decide to make Doran a gnome? I wanted to be a
1: forest gnome. So out of the gnomes that are druids, they're probably mostly forest gnomes. And, It just had a kind of a natural, fun flavor to it that you got this kind of trickstery race, the gnome, the forest gnome. They can actually cast Minor Illusion at will, which I don't really do as Doran since he's a little bit. He's not really a trickster kind of guy. He's more straight laced. Yeah, he's more sincere. Yeah, he's he's. Well, I originally was just going to have him be like the cop almost the noir cop. But everyone else has seemed a little bit darker sided. So I decided to play him straight laced the Boy Scout character.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Why don't you tell me and also our listeners uh, what actually brought Doran to Waterdeep? Because he's not a Waterdeep native or a Waterdavian, as they're called. Uh, He came to the city uh, somewhat recently. What brought him there?
1: Uh, Yeah, he was investigating some corruption in his local forest, which he governed because druids have like a natural. Well, at least I decided this druid would have a natural area that he kind of took care of. It was like his grove, you could say. And he detected like necrotic evil corruption among the trees and among the wildlife. And when he learned to be a druid, he learned through a cabal of druids that teach each other the skills needed to wild shape and cast your spells. Uh, His investigations led him to the fact that that cabal of druids had become corrupted themselves and were now reverse druids spreading evil corruption through forests and nature rather than helping nature. His investigations led him to Waterdeep, where he figured his best chance of tracking them down was to join a team of people who are good at investigating things. And lo, he joined the Waterdeep Detective Agency.
0: So he had, even, uh, he had even started his own investigations before uh, Max and the rest of the dicks started their agency.
1: Yes. If I recall, he was in Waterdeep for, well, maybe not because he was only in Waterdeep for a couple weeks, scrounging around, trying to learn the way that Waterdeep worked and how, you know, as much as he could, he wasn't very good at it to begin with. And um, Max, I don't know exactly when Max started up his agency, but Doran found him shortly afterwards. It was supposed to be um, almost like a fun little play on words, like the corrupt cops, the the good cops going after the corrupt cops.
0: I like that. I like the the fantasy noir take on corruption uh, as opposed to a corrupt police force or, you know, politician or something like that. Uh, Corruption in Faerun or Dungeons and Dragons um, could reasonably take a much more mystical direction.
1: Yeah, there's the the metaphysical sense of the evil, corrupted people. And then there's the literal, physical representation of rotten trees and dying animals.
0: Now, another thing that I wanted to bring up is just how long uh, you and I have been playing Dungeons and Dragons together. Uh, Because um, we actually started playing Dungeons and Dragons, uh, I realized, over 20 years ago. Uh, that's true.
1: <laughs> I never really thought about it in that way.
0: Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. We started playing Dungeons and Dragons together uh, when we were like 12 or 13 years old. Yep. And that would have been that would have been 20 years ago.
1: Yeah, that's right. Wow. Yeah, it was my parents' living room. A mutual friend of ours, um, taught us the rules of. I don't. I don't even think it was D and D, but the spirit was there. We were just rolling dice. It wasn't even 20-siders.
0: It wasn't. It was six-sided dice. Yeah. And we just... The the rule was you had to roll two even numbers to hit. Yeah, that's right. And it didn't matter how much you leveled up or how good you got. It was always two even numbers to hit.
1: And everything was pretty arbitrary, but it was super fun. Well,
0: I think uh, the, the, the thing that made it fun then is the same thing that's making Adventure They Wrote and Deep Trouble fun. And it's kind of like the core story of the game it's the fact that you know the the mechanics were great and and there's like 5th edition dungeons and dragons has nearly perfect mechanics it's it's such an enjoyable game and it's uh really easy to get into but the mechanics are secondary to the ability to convey a story and so when we were in your parents living room 20 years ago we were trying to tell these stories and that's the that's what made it fun is the, the, the just scrappy nature of the tales that we were trying to weave. Yeah. And now as the as the game has grown and developed, so too has our ability to tell stories and evoke emotion from players and now uh, you know, trying to evoke emotion from listeners too.
1: I hope so. Um I think telling a story and 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 being able to inhabit another Being and pretend to be that being like an actor. It's so enchanting just to be like, this is what my guy would do. And here's why. Even if you're the only one who knows it.
0: Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. So in 20 years of playing Dungeons and Dragons together, off and on, not consistently for that entire time. What is your favorite Dungeons and Dragons memory? Hmm. I might need a timeout while I think about that one. I want, I want kind of like the first thing that pops into your head, because I think that's going to be the most real, the most raw. And that's what our listeners tune in for, is raw Dungeons and Dragons action.
1: Well, I have a problem, and it's that, um, I don't know about you, but I've played with the same maybe seven people forever. And specifically with Andy and Linnea and Rose for the past 10, 15 years almost. So there's not a whole lot of like super epic things. It's almost like we have fun, but it's the humdrum adventure. Always a humdrum
0: adventure here and there. I like that, though. That's almost kind of poignant. It makes me think of adventures gathered around a campfire, sort of just basking in the friendship and camaraderie. It's closer to that. Their adventures. Don't get me wrong. That's super boring. And I'm sure all our listeners are really disappointed in you. But <laughs> oh, I still like it. I think it's kind of interesting. I can think of something. I bet I can think of something. You have you have 20 seconds to think of something.
1: No, I hate to be disappointing. I don't have any specific moments that just leap out to me.
0: No, I like that, though. I do think that is uh, that's kind of powerful. Um I have sort of a different experience. I've I've played D&D with a lot of different people, um, but I have been playing with Talia now for a very long time. Uh, We had uh, an almost weekly game (coughs) that we played for a considerable amount of time. Um, And, uh, you know, I've met a lot of really interesting people, but I don't think I've ever had that sort of, like, consistent camaraderie thing since we played way back yeah. in the before time. Well
1: yeah I mean and maybe this is for Jason too I don't want to name drop my friends so I've been playing with the same small group of four people for about ten years mm-hmm. and uh, we in fourth edition we went all the way from level one to twenty and completed a whole character arc for all four of our all three of our characters in the DM and that took bi-weekly playing almost eight years I want to say. Wow. And it was fun. Like I said, it's fun, but there's not any like, and then we lifted up the lich's phylactery and crushed it and everything changed. It was always just, all right, let's do the next thing. Let's beat the guy. Let's do the next thing.
0: What about the, what about the culmination of those stories? Don't you think that's a, that's a powerful moment for you?
1: Honestly, I was so sick of my character at level 20. I was happy to be stunned. (laughs) (laughs) Ready for
0: a little bit more variety.
1: Do you know what my character was? And just remember, I was like 20 when I made this character. Oh, no. He was a Naruto ninja. Yep. And that was the extent of how I wanted to play him. He's just a throwaway character. Yeah. And then I played him for 10 years. Yeah. And so I was done. (laughs) And I am now playing his son. So I put a little more thought into that one. The legacy
0: continues.
1: He hates his dad just like I do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well... Uh, There you have it. That is another episode of Short Rest. Uh, I would like to thank Brad for taking the time to join me on the show. Very welcome. Uh, I want to thank all the listeners uh, for um, listening to the podcast. Uh, We all put a lot of work into it. Uh, We have fun, but we really hope you guys have fun, too. I also want to thank Tabletop Audio uh, for providing sound effects. I'm sure Jason has filled... This interview with all sorts of inane sound effects. Jason, give me that arrow sound. Oh. And then lastly, uh, I want to invite you guys to join us uh, for Extra Life. It is a charity that benefits um, the Children's Hospital. Uh, We will be playing live on the Dungeons & Dragons Twitch stream November 5th at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, We're going to play a fun little standalone adventure. I've got all sorts of interesting stuff planned for the Waterdeep Detective Agency. Um, And if you guys would like to contribute, you can uh, contribute live during the game. Or you can find our page on Extra Life uh, and contribute to one of the players. You can buy them like fun little bonuses that make my job more difficult. Or you can buy fun little challenges that make my job much more amusing. So that's it. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody.